Today, um, <clears throat> the last sermon for, for this weekend is called In Step with the Spirit. Everybody say, In Step. In step. We're going to talk about what it means to be in step with the Spirit. And so I want to start um, here. That the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than a place. Remember last night we talked about how at the beginning times, um, it was all about the temple. And the presence of God was in a place. But when Jesus came and he left the Holy Spirit to his followers, a place no longer mattered. The place was replaced by a people. The place was replaced by a people. Those people are the followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is not at Epworth. Did I die? Okay. The Holy Spirit is not about this room. The Holy Spirit is in you. When we come here and we encounter the Holy Spirit, it's not because he was waiting in this old building just hoping that we would show up. That's not, like, does that sound like God just, I hope somebody shows up today. Please, please. No. He came with you. He's, He's all around us. He's in us. He's working through us. And it doesn't matter where you are, what's going on. And so we don't want to get into this mindset where, where we think the Holy Spirit is so strong at Epworth and not other places. The Holy Spirit is strong when we ask him to come, when we call upon his name. And I want to compare Pentecost, which is Acts 2, that remember the day at Pentecost when the tongues of fire uh, come down and they start speaking in other languages. I want to compare that to us for a second. What if, what if the disciples had just kept it to themselves. Like, what if they had just been like, man, that was so cool. Like, you spoke in, a, like, you spoke in like another language. You were spoken to the, speaking to the guys from Africa. You were speaking to the guys from, from Europe. Like, this is, this is crazy. We were all, what, what language are you speaking? Oh, that was so cool. Let's gather back together tomorrow and see if it happens again. Let, let's, let's, just, let's just keep trying to have a small group, and, 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 and let's just experience this power for ourselves. What if they had done that? What if they had said this, hey, man, this is so awesome. Next year on the same day, let's get back together and maybe it'll happen again. Wouldn't it be cool? Next year, we're going to come to the same place and we're just going to celebrate this one day a year about the Holy Spirit. If that had happened, again, we would not be sitting here today. Nobody would know who Jesus is. He would be some random guy that got killed by the Roman Empire. Like, like there would be no church there would be no, um, uh, no, no people of God. People would not even know uh, about the Holy Spirit if they had kept it to themselves. If they had left it in that upper room where they were sitting. If it had been about a place, nobody would know about anything. And so for us, we cannot allow it to be about a place. It has to be about a people. It has to be about the presence going before, behind, surrounding us, inside of us, every single place we go. And quite honestly, that's so much more effective. Because if it was about a place, it'd be like, you have to come here to experience God. You have to come to United. You have to come to life groups. But because it's about the Spirit's presence, you can go to school and take him with you. And someone can never come into this room, never come into the block at church, and they could still know Jesus. So I want to look at two scriptures about keeping in step 
with the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 5. This is by Paul, and he is writing about life in the Spirit. We want to talk about being in step with the Spirit, about how to continue what has happened here as we go out there. Listen to this. Those who live according to the flesh. Now, the flesh is like sin, the things of the world, the things we want, selfishness, the things that that distract us from God. So he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. That, that idea of being set on, it's not just like you're thinking about it, but it's like your will, your outlook on life, your affections, your thoughts, your desires, everything is set on that one thing. And so he's saying, those who live according to the flesh, your minds, your, your hearts, your passions, everything is focused on the flesh and what it desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Not on what the flesh desires, not on the pleasures of the flesh, but on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death because it leads you into death. It leads you into traps. It leads you into sin. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Doesn't that sound like a good trade? He says you can either have death or you can have life and peace. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. We talked about this a few weeks ago at United. They are opposing forces. Our flesh, the world versus God, they are in a fight over our souls. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. So this is why sometimes people are like, man, I, I do not want to believe it. I do not want to follow God. That is crazy talk. Like that, like, and they might even seem angry at you for even bringing it up. You're ridiculous and they make fun of you or whatever. It is because they are hostile towards God. Why? Because their mind is controlled by the world. Their mind is controlled by the flesh. They have been brainwashed into thinking that the world has something to offer that God cannot offer. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Not only does it not submit, they, they don't know how because they, they, they are controlled, again, by the, by the world. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. This is big. We cannot please God when we're chasing after the world. We cannot please God apart from Jesus when we're chasing after sin. You, however, everybody say, you, however. He is talking to believers he says, you, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. You're not in the world of the flesh. You're in the world of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So again, he's, he's making this association. Like, if you're a Christian, you have the spirit. If you don't have the spirit, you're not a Christian. Like, there is no separation of the two. That's why in this situation, he calls it the spirit of Christ. He, he gives it this word that, that's almost saying, like, that this isn't just a separate thing. This is the spirit of Jesus. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, even though you still sin, even though we all mess up, we do it every day, we probably did it this morning, we probably did it yesterday, even though we are subject to death because of sin, the Spirit will give life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. 
The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, and he can give us life, even though we sin, even though we mess up. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You will live. This this 13th verse that we just read, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the spirit you put death to the misdeeds of the body, you will live. It is talking about this over time. If, if slowly, if we're following after the spirit, he slowly just destroys the things in our life that distract us from God. This verse is about being led by the spirit, being led by the spirit. In John chapter 3 verse 8, um, Jesus is talking to a guy named Nicodemus, He's talking to a guy named Nicodemus who, who doesn't really understand the way things work in God's kingdom. And here's what Jesus says about the Spirit. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. I want you to think about the wind. You go outside and there's this wind blowing off the water. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You even feel it. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Like you could say, well, it's coming from that direction. But you don't know where it comes from. And you don't know where it's going to end up going. It just hits you. You feel it. You hear it. And he says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Here's what this means. When we walk with the Spirit, when we live a life in, in, in step with the Spirit, it is like, it's like we are just wind. Maybe we're not even sure where we're going. Maybe we're not even sure uh, what, what he has for us, but we're just kind of following after him. Like, like, imagine this, imagine this. The Spirit of God is on you. You go into your school tomorrow, and when you're keeping in step with the Spirit, and it's not like a physical win necessarily, probably not, but like, they, if you walk through the halls, there is, a, there is a wind, a rush that comes with you where people notice something when you're keeping in step with the Spirit. Not just because you're a Christian, but because you're following after the Spirit. And, and what, what Jesus is saying here is that it's kind of like, you just, like, people can't even tell where it's coming from. They're not really sure where you're going. They're, like, it's just this, this adventure, this adventure. Some, some ancient Christians called um, th- this, this idea of following the Spirit like a wild goose chase. Like, this idea that, like, you're running and you're not even sure where you're going, but it's adventurous and it's exciting and, and every day is different. And you never know. Like, you're going to class and God, <coughs> the Spirit of God might just say, yo, go talk to that person. And you're like, Okay, and you just go talk to them. And something you didn't expect to happen happens. A relationship forms. Something, God does something. Maybe it's for their encouragement. Maybe it's for your encouragement. Maybe it's to show you something. Maybe it's to show someone else something. But, but it's like when you're following the Spirit, you're like wind. You're just, you're just going around. And you're not sure what's next. And you're not sure what's coming. And that may be a little bit scary, but it's exciting. It's an adventure. We're chasing after something. We're living for something more than ourselves. This is what it's like to walk with the Spirit. People notice. They feel it, and they don't know where it's coming from. They don't know where it's going to, but they notice, and they don't even know what to call it because they don't know the Spirit of God, but they feel it coming off of the followers of Jesus. And there's one other scripture I want to look at. Galatians 5, verses 15, or 16 through 26. This is, again, the same writer, Paul, and he is writing to a different church, And he is going to continue to talk about life with the Spirit. But he's going to kind of explain what it looks like to actually follow the Spirit. Before he was kind of saying like um, about life and death, he was kind of looking more big picture. Now he's going to get a little bit more specific. Here's what he says. So I say, 
Walk by the Spirit. Everybody with a full voice say, walk by the Spirit. He says, walk by the Spirit. This, this idea of walking is, is obviously walking. We understand what walking is. But like, it is this continuous action. You just, you're, you're always going somewhere. And he says, just continually walk in the Spirit. This word implies that there's progress towards something. You're going towards something when you're walking with God. He says, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you're following the Spirit, you won't do what your flesh desires. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. We just talked about this. And the spirit that is con- in the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in a fight. They are in conflict. He actually says that. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under the law. Let me explain what this means. If you're guided by the spirit, you don't need rules. You don't need Ten Commandments. You don't need a teacher to tell you to do something. You don't need a, me, to do some, me to tell you to do something. You don't need a life group leader to tell you to do something. You don't need your parents to tell you to do something. When you're led by the Spirit, there's no need for laws. There's no need for, for, for anything because the Spirit's only going to guide you into love. The Spirit's only going to guide you into what Jesus did. Jesus didn't need laws. Why? Because he didn't mess up. No one could arrest him, at least not rightfully. They couldn't say he did something wrong because he didn't. And so there, there was no law governing Jesus' life because he was following the Spirit. And we can't be perfect. We can't be exactly like Jesus. But know this. When you follow after the Spirit, there's not the need for a bunch of rules and regulations. There's not the need for this legalism where it's like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. You just do what the Spirit leads you to do. And guess what? Unless, uh, I mean, like he's not going to lead you into things that are sinful. If, if he is leading you into that, it's not him. It's you. The flesh is winning. If you're like, well, I mean, the Spirit's leading me to go get wasted this weekend. I, I love the Spirit. This is awesome. No. That's your flesh trying to trick you into thinking that there's something that is not true. The, the Spirit will guide you into things that God wants you to do. You don't need a law. This is an amazing thing. This is freeing. You don't need a list and a checklist of everything you have to do to be good with God. You just follow after the Spirit and do what he says. And then he's going to talk about the acts of the flesh. And he's going to go through this this laundry list. He's going to say, the acts of the flesh are obvious. We see them all over the world. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, which is anything that we put in front of God. Witchcraft, hatred, hatred. Discord, jealousy. Discord's like we're fighting against each other. We're in arguments. We're in disagreements. Um, Jealousy, fits of rage or anger. Uh, Selfish ambition where we want what we want no matter what. Dissensions and factions. We see this everywhere. Dissensions and factions. We see it when when people are standing on the side of the road with with politician signs for the entire like last few months. They, They are in factions based on what they believe to be true about politics. We see it in racism. We see it when, 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 when white supremacists are marching against minorities and against people that are different than them, and, and they, are, they are thinking one thing, but they are being led by the flesh. They're being led by the world. They're not being led by God. That is not of God, but they had these dissensions and factions because they're following after the flesh, because they're full of rage and selfish ambition. He continues, it, it, it leads you to envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's what he's saying. 
He's not saying, if you've ever done that, you're going to hell. He's talking about people that do not know Jesus, people that are, uh, are giving themselves over to these things and living by these things. They will not inherit the kingdom of God because they are chasing after the world. Why would they, why would they, why would they even want to be in a relationship with God if in their life they never chase after the things of God? They actually just want what they want. And so God gives them over to it. He says, okay, take, take what you want. Verse 22, but, but the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say, the fruit of the Spirit. So an apple tree, what does it grow? What does an orange tree grow? How about an avocado tree? A banana tree. Okay. So generally, just generally, um, trees, trees bear the fruit that they're named after, right? A banana tree is going to grow bananas. Why? Because that's the fruit that comes from that tree, from that seed. And so what he's saying here is, if you have the spirit in you, you're a tree, and you should bear fruits of the spirit. If the spirit's in you, you should bear fruits of the spirit. And here's what they are. Love. This is an agape love. Um, this is, that's the word used for it. It's this love that's not like, oh, I love you so much. You're so hot. Ah, love Justin Bieber. Ah, you know? That's not that kind of love. It's talking about agape love. Here's agape love. Self-sacrificing love. A love that says you're more important than me. This is a very difficult love for us as humans. It's very difficult for us. This is a love that is a choice where you choose, I'm going to love you even if I don't feel like it. This is the love that Jesus has for us, agape love, self-sacrificing love, a love that would send him to the cross for us. This is the love that is the fruit of the Spirit. He continues, love, joy. This is not set on your circumstances like happiness. This is set on God and eternity. Joy, peace, Patience. Patience is like you're enduring injuries. You're enduring bad situations. You're, you're fighting through them because the spirit is in you. And people look at you and they're like, how do you get through that? And you're like, I don't know. But the spirit is sustaining you. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience or forbearance, but patience. Um, kindness. Kindness is like concern for others. Treating them gently. Kindness. Goodness is like your character, your integrity. Do you live out what you say you're going to live out? Are you, are, you, are you going to do what you said you're going to do? Are, are you someone who can be trusted? Do you have character? That's what goodness is. <clears throat> Faithfulness is like loyalty. And, and again, like being trustworthy. Someone can trust you because you're faithful to them. It's like a husband and a wife, they say they're going to be faithful to each other. That means they're not going to cheat on each other. They're not going to have an affair with someone else. That is what it means to be Faithful, they are, they are faithful to each other. And what he's saying is like, when you have the fruit of the Spirit, you will be faithful to other people. You will be loyal to other people. Gentleness is being humble, not trying to hurt people, not trying to get back at people, just being humble. Gentleness and self-control, we all know what self-control is. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, he, he repeats this thing about the law. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law. On our, on, our, on our planet or in our nation that says, man, you can't love people. You can't treat people with respect. You can't treat people like they matter. That, that's wrong. We're going to throw you in prison for doing that. 
There isn't. There's no, there's no law that says, do not be kind to people. And if you're patient, we're going to arrest you on the spot because that is just inappropriate. Uh, you can't do that. You cannot be, you, you can't be patient with people. Like there's no law that says you should be, you should be someone that is not trustworthy. Like, like, like you cannot be trustworthy. If you're trustworthy, we don't want you here. There are no laws against these things. Why? Because everybody wants them. Everybody wants to experience them from other people. These are the fruits of the Spirit. If you are following after the Spirit, you should have these in your life. In some way, shape, or form, these should be in your life. You should be growing the fruit that the Spirit provides. And then he continues, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. This idea is like a military march. It's like people that stand in order, and there's, there's a leader up there, and they are just marching. You want us to go left? Okay, we'll go left. You want us to go right? Okay, we'll go right. You want us to go backwards? Okay, we'll go backwards. You want us to go forwards? Okay, we'll go forwards. I'm just going to keep in step. I'm not going to try to go my direction. I'm going to go your direction. That, that's what it says. It's saying keep in step with the Spirit. Just follow after the Spirit. Military march. Stay in order. Stay in order. See, our issue is that many of us don't want to be led by the Spirit, if we're honest with ourselves. We just want to do what we want to do. And usually fear is the reason. We're scared of what might happen. We're scared of what he might call us to give up. We're scared of what he might call us to do. We're scared of what he might call us to say. We're scared of how it might affect us. So I have to ask you a question today as we close out Epworth. Do, you, do I want to be led or do I want to lead or be led by the Spirit? Do I want to lead my life or do I want to be led by the Spirit? Do I want to lead or be led? Am I trying to be the line leader and I'm trying to just go somewhere? Or am I going to do what the Spirit wants me to do? There's, there's three areas where you might be living. And here are the three areas. This is, this is really important because this is like kind of everything uh, kind of summed up when it comes to being in step with the Spirit. You can either live in fear, flesh, or faith. Are you living in fear, flesh, or faith? You don't know the answer right now because I'm going to explain what each one is. Are you living in fear, flesh, or faith? Here's the first one. When we hear but don't go, we are living in fear. So when we hear from the Holy Spirit, I want you to go love that person. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to pray. When we hear but we don't go, we don't obey, we are living in fear. We are fearful of what will happen if we actually do it, if we're actually obedient. A lot of us get stuck here. We're hearing, and we're just not doing. We're hearing, but we're just not going, and we're living in fear. Here's the second thing. When we don't hear and try to go ahead of the Holy Spirit, we are living in flesh. When we don't hear something, like, remember last time when we were talking about the, the, the prophetic words and the prophecy and the things God puts on your heart? If we try to make something up, when we don't hear from the Holy Spirit, but we try to go ahead of him, we try to lead, we're living in the flesh. And here's what this might look like. You might be trying to do the right thing. You're like, well, well I have to go talk to this person. Well, what if the Holy Spirit's not calling you to that person at that moment? Then you're going in flesh. You're trying to do it on your own, and your intentions may be pure, 
You're like, oh, I want to reach them for Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's not leading you to that person. Maybe the Holy Spirit's leading someone else to that person. Maybe the Holy Spirit's leading you to someone else. And when we try to figure it out for ourselves and we try to go ahead of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's not leading, is he? We're not staying in order. We're not keeping in step. We're doing what we want to do. That's when we are living in the flesh. Here's the third one. When we hear and we go, when we listen and we obey, when we hear from God and we take action, we are living in faith. This is the area we want to be in. When we hear and go. Everybody say go. When we are obedient, when we, when we actually keep in step with the Spirit, when we go where he wants us to go, we are living in faith. We are living in faith. I want to close out with this, this last verse. Verse 26. It kind of seems like it's not, not, not supposed to be there. Because it's talking about the Spirit, keeping it set with the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, Paul says this. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And we're like, like, you're random. Like, you were just talking about the Holy Spirit, keeping it set with the Holy Spirit. And now you're just getting off topic. Like, now all of a sudden, you're like, just talking about, like, conceited, provoking, envying each other. Here's, here's why he puts this here. Here's what this has to do with everything else. When we start talking about the Spirit, we have this ability to start getting conceited. To become prideful. <laughs> you know what the Holy Spirit did in my life? Whew. You should have seen it. You should have seen it. You, you could never imagine it. And all of a sudden we start becoming prideful of what the Spirit told us. Of what the Spirit said to us. Like we're the only person in the world. Like, like we think we did something when all we did was ask and he came. Paul's saying, all right, we got to keep in step with the Spirit. But when we're keeping in step with the Spirit, don't all of a sudden become conceited and prideful about it. You wouldn't understand. I have the Holy Spirit. You went to a party last weekend. I wasn't there. I was breathing in the Holy Spirit at home. You, You wouldn't understand. I went to Epworth. You were sinning. See how that happens? And we may not do it like that, but it happens in our brain. And we start looking around and we say, oh, well, they're emotional, so they're experiencing the Holy Spirit. Well, they're not. Is it someone not crying like me? Well, I'm going to start getting prideful and I'm going to start getting arrogant. I'm going to become conceited because I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit, but they're not. What happens is we start to provoke and envy each other. We're either saying it and we're making other people angry or making other people upset or we start envying others and we're like, I want to be like them. I want the Spirit like them. I want the Spirit to talk to me the way the Spirit's talking to to them. I want to have that for me. And Paul's telling us, listen, this ain't a competition. It's not about who's got the most Spirit. It's about you keeping in step with the Spirit where He wants you to go. Where does He want you to go? Where does he want you to go? Don't worry about someone else's race. Stay in your lane. Stay in your race. Do what God is calling you to do. And when we start thinking about this idea of, of, of following after the Holy Spirit, we, we start thinking about, like, well, where does he want me to go? And then a lot of times we like to think into the future. Well, where does the Holy Spirit want me to go in 10 years? What's he got for me in college? 
What's he got for me in marriage? What's he got for me in my job? Well, when am I going to make a difference as a life group leader? Like, when am I going to be able to, to do something different? What's he got for me in the future? And it's easy to, to, to ask those questions because they're like imaginary questions. They lead to daydreaming and like, oh, what might happen? What could happen in 10 years? Oh my gosh, that's going to be so great. And it doesn't require any action, does it? Here's the better question. Here's the question I want us to leave this weekend with. Stop asking what he wants you to do in five years or 10 years. I want you to ask what the Holy Spirit wants you to do in the next 15 minutes. But not just right now. You get home and you're about to get in your parents' car. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do for the next 15 minutes? This is a much more dangerous question. This is a much more convicting question. This is a much scarier question because all of a sudden we got to do something now. Not 10 years from now. Not five years from now. Not when we get to college. Not when, not when we become adults. Not when, not when everything gets together in our lives. We got to do something right now. We got to all of a sudden like, oh, we, uh, oh my gosh, I've actually got to go home and, and, and love my parents. Oh, and they're going to be annoying, and I haven't slept, and they don't understand, and, and you're just going to go home, and you're going to get in a fight with them unless you ask yourself right before you get in the car, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in the next 15 minutes on my way home? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to hear? And then you sit down to school tomorrow, and you say as you're, you're sitting in your class, what do you want me to do for the next 15 minutes? And after those 15 minutes are up, what do you ask? What do you want me to do for the next 15 minutes? What do you want me to do for the next 15 minutes? What do you do for, want, to, want me to do for the next 15 minutes? There was this guy in the book of Acts, one of my favorite stories, a guy named Philip. And, and the Holy Spirit told him when he woke up, you need to go into the desert. The desert, no one's out there. Why would I go there? But he didn't try to see the end. He said, what am I going to do in the next 15 minutes? And he goes out to the desert. And he gets to the desert. And all of a sudden he sees this, this entourage of this foreign diplomat, this guy from Ethiopia, and he sees him going by, and he feels the Spirit tell him, go up to the caravan. And he didn't say, well, what are you going to do? What's going to happen? What do you want me to do in 10 years? He said, all right, what do you want me to do in 15 minutes? Okay, you want me to just go up to this guy. And he stands next to him, and he listens. And then all of a sudden, he hears the guy, and he's reading from the book of Isaiah, and he's reading a prophecy about Jesus, and he hears him, and he's like, oh my gosh, this is why God has me here. What do you want me to do in the next 15 minutes? You need to ask to go and sit in his cart. And he says, hey, can I come up there and sit with you? Because I want to explain it to you. Actually, the guy says, how, do, how am I going to understand this if I, if I don't have someone to explain it to me? And so he gets up and he's sitting next to him in his carriage. And they stop. And he's just explaining to him how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. How Philip had been a part of it. How he had seen it. How he had seen the city. How he had seen everything happen. And he explains to him. And the guy's like, I want to become saved. And then he, he gives his life to Christ and he says, what's stopping you from being baptized? And all of a sudden they're in a desert, but there's water. And they say, well, there's water here. Let's baptize you. What do you want me to do for the next 15 minutes? Baptize this guy. And then he puts him under the water. And when he comes up out of the water, Philip's gone. The dude teleports to another place by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the guy just gets up and goes home to another nation and shares the gospel with his nation. And, and, and actually, just historically, Ethiopia is like one of the earliest nations to have 
the, the gospel in Africa. Like they have churches from, from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Maybe it was because Philip said, I'm just going to obey for the next 15 minutes. I'm just going to get up and go to the desert. I don't know what's there. Oh, I'm going to go over here. Oh, I'm going to listen. Oh, I'm going to get up there and sit with him. Oh, I'm going to explain something to him. And he changed a life and he changed a nation. Why? Because he said, not what are you going to do with me in 10 years? What are you going to do with me in 15 minutes? We got to ask ourselves that question. Stop trying to think about, oh, the long game and all that stuff. Listen to the 15 minutes. Keep in step with the Spirit. It does not say, find out where to go and then figure your way out to get there. It says, just keep in step. And you take a step, and you take a step, and you take a step. And five or ten years down the road, someone will say, how did you get here? And you're going to be like, I don't know. I don't know how I got here. All I did was hear that I was supposed to take a step, and I took it, and I took another step, and I took it, and then I ended up here, and I ended up here, and I ended up here, and I ended up with this influence, and this relationship, and with this experience, and all of a sudden, I started reaching people here, and he brought me my spouse here, and he brought me my kids here, and he took me to this job, and he took me to this city. Why? Not because he told me all the secrets. He told me what to do for the next 15 minutes, for the next 15 minutes that is our call that is our call I want everybody to stand up I'm going to read a prayer as the ending and the closing from Ephesians chapter 3 Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 through 21 this is a, a, a prayer that Paul prays over this church and I want to pray it over you it's straight from scripture a prayer straight from scripture here's what it says you guys can bow your heads close your eyes I'm going to pray this over you I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Everybody say power. Everybody say power. With power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know, to know, everybody say no, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is worked within us. To him be the glory to the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's close together in worship and we're going to get at it. We got like 30 or 40 minutes and then we are done so go where you need to go do what you need to do move what you need to move and encounter the holy spirit and ask him what do you want me to do for the next 15 minutes and just keep on asking him to speak to you and he will show you each step of the way let's worship together